on the Talkback Show on the radio or whatever audiovisual device you choose to use. Welcome to the GBC Podcast, where we talk about the Packers and our hometown of Green Bay. This is episode 32, created on December 6th, 2022. I'm John. I'm in Appleton, Wisconsin. Along with me, Jeff in Minnesota and Neil on the East Coast. Say hello, gentlemen, and tell us what you're drinking. Hello, everyone. I'm having a Conjahawken Philly Special Double Hazy IPA. Gorgeous color. Hello, gentlemen. I'm having a Lagunitas Willetized Coffee Stout. All right, and it's beer night on the show. I've got my Pabst Blue Ribbon and my Packer Can Koozie for tonight. You can find us on YouTube and Twitter at Green Bay Chat and Facebook at the GBC Podcast, Green Bay Chat. And the audio will be available on Spotify and Anchor by searching for Green Bay Chat. Well, this week, uh, we've got a big game in Chicago to talk about. In fact, taking two from Chicago on a franchise record for the Packers, we are going to do a lot of gushing about a kid named Christian Watson. We'll take a look at the, uh, uh, the NFC North and how that's going to shake out. And we've got a guest tonight, a guy named Scott Lynn. He's a former national radio host, a Philadelphia native, and a Maryland resident. And uh, we've got lots to chat uh, with Scott. If you like pop culture and obscure pop culture references, stick around uh, for Scott. But with that, not necessarily a pop culture reference, Jeff, but big news for the first time in a long time. I think for the first time since they really started keeping the statistic, a team not named the Chicago Bears is the all-time franchise winning record holder. I don't even know how to word it. For for this week? Yes. For a week. We are at 787 regular season wins. That is the NFL record. That is the standard. We finally surpassed the Bears. In theory, this should have happened like week four. It did not. It happened in week 13. Okay, we're just pacing ourselves. How fitting, right? Against the Bears, head yeah. to head, it just it it was sweet. It, it's we we won, we we won on the road against the Bears. That picture of Christian Watson in flight. We are all number twenty three in the Zubas in the upper left hand <laughs> corner of the like like woo-hoo-hoo-hoo! you know just like holy cows. So yes, we we and it's been since. Yeah, basically almost 100 years since another team not named Chicago Bears or Chicago Staley's have uh, had the the, the NFL um, win record. So it's great to have. Hopefully we can create a little distance. Yeah. You know, over the next couple of weeks, obviously we have a bye week coming up, but hopefully we can create some distance. We can finish strong. I have no idea what the future holds. We can talk about that, but we have the record currently we've Let's talked celebrate. about that before too this is something that when we were in high school this was a a concept that seemed insurmountable uh the yeah. all-time the all-time win-loss yeah. record in the rivalry team between green bay and chicago we knew it was going to take 30 years to get there and sure enough that's <laughs> and it you know, did. That's what it uh, took, yeah. right? in 1992 the bears had an 85 win lead over the packers in 85. the all-time <laughs> 85 God. wins as of 1992. Um, Holy shit. We, we, we now have a one-game lead. Um, and, you know, yes, this is something that could have happened in week two. Um, but when a team has had a record for 101 years, yeah. what is a couple of yeah. extra week among friends? I mean, the last team not named the Bears or now the Packers to have this record were the Buffalo All-Americans, 
who in 1921 had the lead for most NFL wins with 18. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. In that game, though, we had a great day in Chicago. I think the weather was decent. Um, the wind looked kind of wicked, though, when we were watching some of those kicks. But it didn't look like we were going to get that 787th victory. The, the Chicago Bears, mm. Neil, I know you've got those statistics you want to throw out there, but it was a rough first half for us. What happened in that first half? I mean, the, the basic problem is that we have been a team that can play one or two quarters and the bears started out pounding the ball down our throats. We get the ball the first time and we don't, we don't, we, for a change of pace, it wasn't a three and out. We went six plays before Woo! you know going 14 yards. They scored a touchdown. We're, we're down um, already 10, nothing midway through the, the first quarter. And so this is kind of bleak. And then we turned around in that game. We actually had three drives of 13 plays, three separate 13 play drives. The first one end of the first quarter, the beginning of the second quarter, 64 yards ends with a short field goal to make it now one score game. Chicago fumbles the ball on their next drive. Unfortunately, we turn the ball over on downs. They get another touchdown. We're down 16, three with halftime staring us in the face. And thankfully, once we went down 16-3, we decided to play. Another 13-play drive, 75 yards, ends with a touchdown pass to Christian Watson. Um, but that was on a fourth and four, if you'll recall. If yeah. we don't convert that fourth and four, we are fucked at the end of the first half. I mean, yeah. you know, two, two scores no, for, down. Probably for the game, it. actually. Yeah. That's right. So, you know, we, we definitely did some things. And, you know, this is a game that played out very much as a, as a tale of quarters as far as what our offense did in the game. So in the first quarter, I'll note we're down 10 nothing at the end of the quarter. We had four rushes for one yard. Second oh, quarter, God. when we brought it to, to uh, when we won the quarter 10 to 6, Rodgers was 7 of 13, 63 yards in the touchdown to Watson. We rushed 12 times for 64 yards in the second quarter. Third quarter, which we lost 3-0. Rodgers was 2 of 5, 25 yards. We rushed four times for 13 yards in the third quarter. Good and thankfully, God. we had a hell of a fourth quarter, mostly on the rushing game. Obviously, Christian Watson run being a big one. Rodgers was 4 of 6, 45 yards. We rushed 12 times for 98 yards and two touchdowns in the fourth quarter putting the ball down behind our running backs or behind people who were going to play running backs on TV. Um, we, we crushed them in the fourth quarter on offense. And obviously we had two key turnovers in the fourth quarter on defense as well. I was just going to say that, Oh, by the way, there were some, finally, there were some turnovers um, when we were texting back and forth during the game, you know, Oh, there's your dagger. I'm like, Oh no, there's no, no, no. Was that, no. Was that a was premature dagger? Like, a, a premature dagger, Jeff? Uh, there were, there was premature daggerization in this game. Um, actually reality, not really because the bears never did come back, but I'm like, Oh, come on. There's like three minutes, four minutes left in the game. I mean, look what happened last night. I mean, you just, you don't know. Green Bay has not been solid. I believe the comment was sarcastic in a, in a sarcastic tone. Oh, our defense will be able to hold the lead. <laughs> yeah. That was, see that? That, no. You know what? Go back to the start of the game, you Neil, know, we got to talk about maybe some of those defensive numbers, right? Because after getting run all over by, by Jalen Hurts, and then the Bears open up with a, what was it, a 51, 52-yard touchdown run by, well, Fields, by Justin yeah, Fields? 
Yeah, Justin Fields had a 55-yard touchdown run that basically torched our entire defense. And it was just, oh, here we go again. Totally. Right? Yep. I mean, how, how, how does a quarterback run for 55 yards like that? Well, he's really goddamn fast for starters. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, so one of the things that struck me about this game was the fact that, and I don't know, it's this Bears thing, maybe, I don't know. But there seem to be adjustments made intra-game that actually were consequential, right? Yeah. Because you think, holy shit, after the first quarter, Fields is going to have like 300 fucking yards, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, how could he not? And based on what happened last week against Philadelphia, like, okay, this is going to be a his, you know, send the cleats to, to uh, Canton. And then a funny thing happened. Suddenly the defense played defense. Now there weren't, you know, turnovers in the first half. (laughs) This was not four quality quarters. It was not in any way, shape or form. However, the quarters that they did play really well were really good. And obviously the fourth quarter, they said, I I still, I said before, I love that picture of Watson because it's just like, Oh my God. It's, it's like cast off the demons or, you know, say what you will. And this kid, and yes, I'm the guy, you know, what three, four, four or five weeks ago was like, okay, is Christian Washington a bust? <laughs> I wasn't going to bring it up, Jeff. No, I, I have to I bring it up it, because I, I'm I, like, I don't know. Time. Maybe it's me. Maybe I'm like, we okay. Gave you a hard time. I was going to let that slide. No, because I was like, <laughs> okay, this is, you know, second round pick all these expectations. He's been pretty shitty. I mean, he's had some well, bad luck because of the injuries, right? Well, the injuries, the you know, obviously every single oh, he dropped that first pass against Minnesota. I watched that real time, and I was like, "Fuck!" He could have had a touch, seventy-five yard touchdown. He didn't. But you know what? He just when this kid runs, he glides, and yeah. he pulls away from every single. You know, they've got the angle. They can't catch him. I mean, he just, he's like at a different, so, okay, fine. Now, this is a small sample size, but over since week 10, he's got eight touchdowns. That is the most touchdowns of any player in the NFL. Devontae Adams, maybe you've heard of this guy. He's got five. Okay, that's pretty good. Watson has eight. Okay, mm-hmm. so I'm now, is Christian Watson maybe a bust? No. I'm now on the Christian Watson. Could he be rookie of the year? Maybe stay tuned. You know, if you're a betting person, maybe you might want to put some money on Mr. Watson. Point is this. They found a way to utilize him. He's found mojo. He's found confidence. But the other thing that struck me on that, that long touchdown run in the fourth quarter, Sammy Watkins had a great block because they would run Christian the first, you know, what, four or five, six, seven weeks of the, of the year, he'd get like four yards and he's going to ass kicked after like three or four yards. This guy is so goddamn fast. If he can get around that edge, if he can, if the blocking is there, it seems like they figured out, oh, this guy, not only is he really good, but here's, here's how, how we can, we can play can. to the strengths and get him open Get him, you know, even if at this point, if he drops a ball, 
okay, as long as he doesn't tip it up and it's a it's a pick six or something. But the point is, is that he seemed to like the team is settled into okay, this is your receiver one. He's good. He's really fast, and now he has confidence. Stay tuned. The one thing about that Christian Watson run, so he hit 21.7 miles per hour on that run. That that was the third fastest speed hit in the NFL this year. Everyone else is 5'11 or shorter than a running back. That's pretty goddamn fast. (laughs) Guys who are 6'5 are not supposed to hit that kind of speed. No. The thing about that play, and and I want to kind of break down an analysis of that run, and I watched it. This is one of the few times that I've watched to play over and over again. And, and I know we talked about, it, we don't really show tape and things like that on our podcast here, but for those who watch the game and, and really on that play, there's only three people on the field who knew Christian Watson was running around left with the ball. Watson was one of them, Aaron Rodgers and Josh Blackwell, who was in man coverage for the bears. And when you watch that play, Neil, I'm going to use a military term here for you, Neil. At the snap of that ball, every swinging dick was going to the right. Yeah. Everybody was going right. Every lineman is going right. Except Watson. A.J. Dillon is going right. Rodgers turns around. Watson gets the ball, and he, and he executes the fake. You know, that's one of the things we don't talk about is, is, is how quarterbacks, and Brett Favre was always great for the, you know, the fake yep. throw. Rodgers executes that fake pitch out to Dylan, and Dylan did it. Does a great job of running. Sells out there. it totally. Everybody goes right. Sammy Watkins now the receiver out on the left hand side. If you watch Watkins, he he knows this is either a run right, a run left, or a quick slant to me. He knows it's one of those three things. And you watch him, and he makes that turn, and he realizes that the throw there's not a pass coming to him, and he sees Josh Blackwell running at him full speed. And the thing about that is the corner that was covering Watkins never saw the handoff. He reacts to Watkins. He's only watching Watkins, which is his job. He's only watching Sammy Watkins. And he sees the way Watkins turns. He jumps because he thinks he's getting a pass. And once he realizes he's not, he sees everybody else. He actually then goes to the left thinking A.J. Dillon has the ball. And Sammy Watkins realizes everything's coming and he sees Blackwell just he just all he needed is that little tag yep, and you watch the replay, way. and and Watson gets around him and and as soon as Watson gets around him and they're and and Ooh. Watkins turns around Sammy's got his hand up finger up hand up he knew <laughs> he knew right away he said there's no way anybody's catching this kid and like you said Jeff he just glides yes he's so he's pulling away from the defensive backs which is not something that you see. Typically, if they've got a, the defensive back has the angle, that's when they get tackled. And Watson's fucking pulling away from them. I mean, there's oh, there's yeah. no way yeah. they're not going to catch them. Not going to catch them. So yeah. it's just it's a beautiful thing to see. And it's but it's just like, huh? Maybe this well, was a pretty good draft the, choice. You, you've got the lead. You're at midfield. You've got the lead. It's the two minute warning, and really. You know, the defense is probably thinking they're going to try to run this out. Yeah. Because the defense has their timeouts. So they were all keying on Dylan. But anyway. they didn't run it out, and which was which was oh, yeah. the way it should be. Because none yeah. of this, like, you know, kind of play conservative. Was, oh, yeah, we need to keep 
just talk about how this is probably easily the most aggressive play all year long. Thank to say, God. <laughs> Please right? keep doing this. Yes. Yes. <laughs> keep your foot on the accelerator. Right. Don't yeah. like, oh, we're going to just be conservative. Boom. And it was just, it was once, I mean, once he got around that corner, Watkins got that block. I was like, oh my God. Oh yeah. And like you said, he, he was one of the fastest runs in the NFL this season. And he, high, there was nobody yeah. near him. So, you know, Watkin, or Watson's probably thinking, well, fuck, how fast can I run? <laughs> right? Because, you know, you get to a point where it's like, because he can. And, and that, you know, I mean, that jump into the end zone. I mean, like, I don't know. He's got to be what? Like, I will say that's the, the only ground? thing I didn't like. I didn't like. I, I thought we were done with jumping into end zones. You know, Aaron Jones did it a couple of weeks ago. And now, Watson yeah, but that was there. in an ode to beast mode. Come on. Yeah. I mean, but that's you know. just. I know that's too much, too much chance for injury. Well, what a great like picture. What a great picture. <laughs> it looks awesome. <laughs> right. I mean, look at that. Yeah. That's amazing. It's oh, like, yeah, it's you know, beautiful. human in flight, right? You yeah. and I can't fucking do that. Not Come anymore. On. No, no, no. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. There's and, and, and searching through Twitter and all around, there's a lot of fan video uh, of that play as well. Uh, Charlie yeah. Barron's in fact, the Manitowoc minute, if you go to the Manitowoc minute, twitter page he's up in the 300 level he's at midfield but on the 300 level probably he's got a the, good view of the planets lining oh yeah, up he was, from he there. was watching he was watching boats out on lake michigan yeah. uh and 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 he has a video of that and and it's incredible to see watson turn that corner even from that distance and and you just know yeah watkins get that gets that sammy gets that block gone and watson is gone yeah it, it is a thing of beauty i can watch that over and over again it is a highlight real play you know we'll see it at the end Could of the season play we'll be, the year so far well we'll be seeing that highlight for 30 years yeah yeah other than that <laughs> what a great game you know the defense came, the defense came through neil you got some defensive statistics there a couple of interceptions in the second half I mean, three turnovers obviously is the big one. Uh, we did outgain Chicago as far as time of possession, 32 minutes to 27 and change. The defense played well when they had to play well, but it is noteworthy that Chicago had more yards than we did. Chicago had 409 yards to mm -hmm. our 357. Now, it's interesting as far as those 409 yards because 206 of them came on five plays. So Justin Fields, for example, you know, what did we do that, contained Justin Fields other than that one play. What, what the Packers did on defense is they played zone coverage the entire game. 100% of all snaps, they were on zone coverage. And that was specifically so that the cornerbacks and safeties would not have their back turns. They'd always be able to see what Justin Fields could do. Other than that one, one long run, Justin Fields had five runs for 15 yards. So yeah. it did the job. That was huge yeah. that they contained him. Now, you know, we didn't contain him from a passing perspective. He had 254 <laughs> yards passing. I don't How know where that, that I don't know where that comes from, but now, uh, was that a season high? It's gotta uh, be pretty close. I, I don't know. It, it but yeah, you know, he, you know, even despite the interceptions, right? Um, 10.2 yards per attempt passing, 90.5 QBR by that QBR rating. Way better than Rogers. Way better than Rogers. That's right. Yeah. So I mean good lord. But in the, but you know, obviously the, a lot of that was those long passes, right? The, the yeah. long pass to EQ, the long pass to Harry, a couple of key conversions. And I think that was what yeah. we talked about with, with AJ Brown last week is that, you know, it's not that Hertz was killing us constantly with the pass. Yeah. It's that 
when they needed a pass, they were able to get that Precision. pass. And that was yeah. the part that hurt us. And uh, thankfully, we had enough, uh, specifically getting the turnovers and then having those long drives in order to get the victory. So going back to our guest last week, too, we talked to Dakota, uh, our friend who's a Bears fan. And he, you know, I think he, he's on the, the, the Justin Fields train. I think he's, he's satisfied with what he sees. Um, and then talking to him, texting with him during the game as well. You know, great run at the beginning. Very happy with that. Uh, but he even, you know, said he, he he said, I'm sure you guys see a lot of what I was talking about with Fields. You know, you have the flashes of brilliance, but then you get a couple of interceptions there, like you said. I mean, uh, Fields doesn't have a terrible day. And and sure, not everyone, you know, as, as Dakota says, not everyone is Mahomes, Watson, Prescott, uh, you know, things like that. But usually time prevails with quarterbacks like this. So he's a mobile quarterback. Um, give him time to to learn how to throw, to how to hit those passes and and pick apart a defense. I think that I really think that Justin Fields um, is going to be a guy that's going to be dangerous in Chicago. The fact that they've got cap space, they've got high draft picks coming. You know, we're going to have to worry about them for the next couple of years. So I think that whole point of giving him time was a critical part of the game. So we had no sacks on Fields. Their offensive line only allowed four pressures total on Justin Fields. He was pressured a few more times just because of holding the ball forever, but you give him time to throw, he's obviously capable of being accurate and making the big throw. So the other thing that we need to talk about is our running game. So AJ mm -hmm. Dillon has come alive over the last few weeks, um, 93 yards, including the touchdown. So two weeks in a row, he's had a 20 plus yard rushing touchdown. He has looked like the AJ Dillon. He's looked like the quadzilla that we had previously. And the statistics bear this out since week 10, he's averaged 5.3 yards per rush. That actually puts him seventh in the NFL over that span after starting much slower. Um, Aaron Jones obviously was injured. He only had 26 rushes, but he did pass a Packers landmark during the game, hitting 5,010 yards, becoming the fourth Packers uh, running back to go over 5,000 yards, only 14 yards now behind John Brockington for third as far as NFL rushing yards for the Packers. Um, there was actually one other Packers player, though, who hit a new rushing mark in the game, and Aaron Rodgers actually hit 11th in the Packers all-time rushing with 3,439 yards. Wow. So um, Aaron Rodgers' oh, next person to catch for rushing yards is Paul Horning. He's got a couple hundred yards to get to Horning. Oh, wow. Um, Rodgers is 11th for all-time rushing yards for the Packers. The Solid. thing with Dylan, you know, and I think that going into this season, we really wanted to see that thunder and lightning with Dylan and Jones. And Jones is, is a just a different kind of running back. He, he, he is a workhorse because he can run out as a receiver. Um, he, I, think he, I think that Jones is more elusive getting through you know, where mm -hmm. Dylan, Dylan kind of is in that Ryan Grant mold. I'm just going to put my head down and, you know, get, run your get through ass the over. wall and, and yeah. run you over. And, and unfortunately, that doesn't always amount to big runs. Aaron Jones came out in this game for a while. And I think yeah. that that part of it is the way defenses maybe read the Packer offense, whatever the, the, the tape is on the on the offense, um, how they key what the offense does when just Jones is out there versus just Dylan or the two of them being out there. And then when you've got just Dylan out there consistently, uh, that's when AJ Dylan flourished when it was just him again. Well, and it, again it's kind of like one of those, okay, we're going to run the ball yeah. and we're going to dare you to stop it. And we're going to run your ass over. I, 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 that's where, again, if you can get to a point where 
you know, I call it, you know, the Wisconsin Badger offense or, you know, whatever, I mean, even Tennessee Titans, you get to a point where it's like, okay, you know what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to run your ass over until you try to stop it. And, and that's where, and if they can do it with a, with a fair degree of success, but then if they can get a play action, that's when Rodgers can go like, okay, if you're going to bring, you know, eight people into the box, then you're like, all right, then somebody is going to be open. And, and that's where they get the flexibility. That's where there's even more success. So the other thing that's go, played a role, though, is that A.J. Dillon just needs bigger holes, right? I mean, you look at what <laughs> you look you at, what Aaron, holes. <laughs> you, you look at uh, what Aaron Jones was able to do early in the year. A lot of times he's like sneaking through where there's no space right. whatsoever. We've had some continuity as far as the line play, even with Zach Tom yes. playing instead of Bakhtiari. Um, by, by PFF grades, Elkton Jenkins was rated 84 this week, best rated player on the Packers offense. So, um, you know, our line's starting to come together and playing with the continuity that they need to certainly is opening those holes to allow Dylan to do the types of things that he wants to do. Uh, as long as I'm talking about the PFF grades, though, the defense had five players with a PFF grade over 75, starting with Devonte Wyatt with an 88. It's well, not a and name mercifully, we- there was so they were actually tackling this game, right? I mean, that Philadelphia game, there was all these awful. <laughs> they just couldn't freaking tackle. Whereas this game was like, still. okay, Too many I mean, there were still. some really good, solid form tackles when they needed to tackle this game. It was like, oh, okay, there's hope yet. We got pushed from the front four, though. That makes a big difference as well. And that's yeah. it's a mm. very much of it. Well, we had at least in the second half, we had some of that. And, you know, going into the PFF grades, TJ Slayton was rated as 77 this week. So, you know, seeing our front four being able to make a difference uh, helps everyone else on that defense. The other thing that was interesting, going back to the offensive line, Neil, uh, Zach Tom getting the start at left tackle, an emergency surprise appendectomy for David Bakhtiari. He said, uh, I was in (laughs) practice, I think it was on Thursday, you know, Yeah, my abdomen wasn't feeling well. I thought he pulled a muscle or something and talked to the trainer and they said, well, let's go to the hospital. And uh, he had his, he had his appendix taken out and he was out for the game, um, you know, with the stitches and such, but Zach Tom, I think did all right. Pulling his yeah. own. Do you have the numbers on him, Neil? I, I don't have the PFF grade, but I know that he only allowed one pressure. So. Yeah. yeah. I mean, for that's really impressive. I mean, There's, there's some nice plug and play, I think, on that offensive line that that, that next man up philosophy still rings true in Green Bay. Uh, yeah. So to see that, you know, um, I think Josh Myers finally coming around and uh, yeah. getting some good pulls and blocks downfield. Um, but, you know, to go back to what you said there, the, the more you pound those holes, the bigger they get. So you just got to keep hitting them and 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 the commitment <laughs> to the run, she said, as we, as we keep saying, <laughs> the commitment to the run is what we need. And I think yeah. that it it showed itself again in the Chicago game. So, you know, let's use this week off to watch a lot of tape and, and realize that, that committing to the run is going to help us down the stretch, especially three out of four at home, cold weather games. We got a Monday night game against the Rams. Let's run, run, run out the season. Well, like I said earlier though, because they're like learning how to, like I said, with Watson, with that Sammy, or excuse me, with the Watson run, they're yeah. learning how to block what's successful 
and I and I think you know, like I said, Dylan needs, like you said, bigger holes. I mean, some of these holes, like you and I, could have freaking run through, right? I mean, you could drive a freaking bus through these things. It's like, how could you? That's what. But once he gets rolling, right? I mean, two, three, four yards, he's you know. I don't want a freaking tackle is, you know, there's no defensive back. That's going to go. Yeah. I want to try. I want to like get in the way of this 250 pound guy. So that's where, you know, that's, that's a recipe for success. And so more as they're learning. So the bye week you know, we, we've talked about the bye week being, Oh my God, late, you know, should it have been after the London game, the, the whole fatigue thing, you know, can they run the table? Maybe, you know, so now it's like, okay, now this gets a little interesting because they figured out how to block, how to run. Watson's really freaking good. So now it's like, okay, and Rogers, in theory, his thumb is going to be more healed-ish, you know? So as, as we talked about during the game, he's still throwing the ball. The, the yep. point of the ball is still down, yep. but I think the receivers like Lazard have figured out, okay, this is how the ball is coming in at me. I have adjusted to how I'm going to catch the ball. You know, so that's a positive. So it's a long season. So I'd like to think that, okay, adjustments have been made intra-game, outside of the game, you know, in practice, what have you. And they're kind of gelling a little bit. Now, are they too far behind at this point? You know, if they if they had, God, two freaking more wins things would be way different, but you know what? Can they win out? Maybe. Well, if they do, um, you know, the four more wins, it, it puts you at a nine and eight record. At least it's not yep. a losing season. Yep. And we'll, we cannot win the division, the NFC no. North. Uh, That's okay. Two teams right now. So Detroit <laughs> and Minnesota, uh, Minnesota's at Detroit. Um, if Minnesota wins, yeah. If Minnesota wins, they get the, um, Division title, Detroit favorite at home by two and a half at this point. Um, and, and they could, in theory, again, win out if Minnesota loses out and take the division title. So we don't have a game to preview this week. So that's probably the game we're going to watch uh, is Detroit and Minnesota to see how that one plays out. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, Neil, anything else you had going on with this? I still want to talk about Christian Watson. I mean, how can well, we not want to talk about Christian Watson? There are a couple of statistics associated with Christian Watson that really point to the superlative nature of what he has done as a Wookiee wide receiver. <laughs> He's not a Wookiee wide receiver. Uh, there, there are a number of superlatives for Christian Watson as a Wookiee. <laughs> <laughs> rookie, say it with me. Rookie, not Wookiee. Wookiee. Come on, Neil. Work with us. Come on. Right. There, there, are number, there, there are a number of superlatives of Christian Watson. There's going to be a lot of editing. You should keep this in because this is freaking hilarious. So there are a number of superlatives for Christian Watson as a rookie wide receiver. Um, so just starting out from the big picture, rookie receiving touchdowns for the Green Bay Packers. Billy Houghton is first with 13 in 1952. Max McGee is second with nine in 1954. Christian Watson is third with seven receiving touchdowns. He's ahead of James Lofton with six. Don Hudson with six as a rookie wide receiver. And he also has more touchdowns as a rookie wide receiver than Donald Driver, Sterling Sharp, Devontae Adams, and Jordy Nelson combined. Ooh, I like that. 
Um, he also company. globally um, has now four consecutive games with a receiving touchdown. That uh, it puts him one behind uh, Billy Houghton, who has a reception streak, a touchdown reception streak of five. It passes Don Hudson with three. Um, I, you know, the, the the statistic that I think is the craziest is putting it into the context of the entire NFL. So rookies with eight or more touchdowns in a four-game span in the entire Super Bowl era. Eric Dickerson, Randy Moss, Edron James, Mike Anderson, Clinton Portis, and Christian Watson. Wow. Yeah, so that's that's the record that is out there as far as the consecutive games with the receiving touchdown. Randy Moss's record is seven consecutive games for a rookie. That's a record that actually broke Billy Houghton's record back from 1952. We'll talk more about Billy Houghton later. And I'm going to say this would be a great time to have Billy Houghton as our Packer player of the past, but we don't have time for him this week. Certainly we've got the bye week here and we'll bring Billy, Billy Houghton back next week. So that Randy Moss character, he was kind of good. Looking at other statistics, he has the seven receiving touchdowns and the two rushing touchdowns. That nine touchdowns total as a rookie places him tied for third with Max McGee. The leader is Billy Houghton with 13 again. Eddie Lacy second with 11. He passed on Sunday, uh, Jerry Ellis with eight. And he was tied previously at seven with Sam Congato, Dave Hampton, Don Hudson, and Buckets Goldenberg. Wow. Probably a name that the last one, probably not a name you're so familiar Buckets. with. That's an early, that's a 1920s name. Ni- no? 19, 1933 for Buckets Goldenberg. Oh, yeah, but he, he, was, he, was tied, he was tied with all of those. He's now third in all-time rookie touchdowns with four games to More go. important games to go, most of which are at home. So with the bye week, we don't have a game to preview. We, like I said, we'll bring Billy Houghton back next week as our Packer player of the past. And we'll get ready for that Sunday, excuse me, that Monday night game against the Los Angeles Rams, but we've got a guest, our guest, Scott, he is going to join us here. He's a beer guy. So Jeff and Neil are going to talk a little bit more about their beers in detail. Our guest tonight is Scott Lynn, a guy who has worked in broadcast media for nearly 30 years. And he is the Paul Sheldon to my Annie Wilkes, formerly a nationally syndicated sports talk radio host, and now a prolific podcaster. He has opinions on sports, music, movies, and beer among many other pop culture phenomena. Scott, welcome to the show and uh, tell us what you're drinking. Uh, shot pleasure is, is all mine. Um, iced, uh, uh, iced coffee, I'm, truth be told, I was gonna open up a stout when I didn't have carpool duty tonight, but at the last minute, I gotta take my youngest, our youngest to basketball practice. So went back up, popped an espresso capsule. We love those things. My wife is a sucker for uh, recycling. And um, can't recommend it more. Yes, we paid for it. This is not an advertisement in any way, <laughs> shape, or form. Uh, we, we love our Nespresso. I, I, and I didn't drink coffee until, I, you know, until the last couple of years. It, it's, it's weird. Even all those early mornings doing the, the radio thing, I was a green tea guy. Green tea mm-hmm. and ice water on repeat. Never coffee. Now well, I'm back to normal and I'm drinking coffee. Well, we love our stouts. Jeff, you're a big stout guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Neil, you love the, the Guinness, right? The- I, I love Guinness, although today's uh, beer, I'm actually going with a uh, radio broadcast oriented, the, the Maryland Mike uh, Philly special double IPA. So I'm going broadcast today in honor of Scott. Nice. Oh, t- tell me more about that, please, Neil. I, I know it's Merrill Reese and Mike Quick, obviously. Is that, um, 
what's his name's Conshohocken Brewery? Is that another Philly-based brewery? Yes, it, 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 is a, it is a Conshohocken Brewery one and obviously playing off the Philly special. So the Philly special double hazy. So yeah, I, I'm playing to the guest in, in multiple ways here. That's very, very cool. And and unbeknownst, you- so I'm drinking a uh, Loganitas Willitized coffee stout aged in rye barrels. One of the one hitter series without even looking at the label. I could geek out on this stuff all day. <laughs> I've been holding one hitters and that's not code for anything, but I've got several of them. And then periodically on a Friday night, I'm like, you know what? It's stout weather. So let's it, get it, it on. It, I'm it very is. jealous. And Jeff Bourbon and County was just released. So okay. Okay. And you and Neil, you and Neil live close enough together that you will want to get together and drink beers, I assure you. <laughs> I look forward to the day, John. Look forward to the day. <laughs> All right. So a little background on Scott. Scott, there's a saying in the broadcast industry that regardless of how much preparation training a person does, there's nothing that beats being in the right place at the right time. How does that reflect how you got into sports talk radio? What's your background? Oh, my background was in uh, people pleasing, waiting tables, bartending, uh, working at food court delis. When I was old enough to go to college, I had a lot of stuff going on. Nothing traumatic. A lot of people overcome a lot more and, and make it through, but it just wasn't the right time. So bounced around, found myself, waited a lot of tables, tended a decent amount of bar, and a sports radio station opened up in suburban D.C., May of 92. Christmas of 93, I'm working at the Cheesecake Factory in uh, Northwest DC at Wisconsin and Western, and I'm a huge fan of the overnight guys. And I'm a listener, not a caller. I was on the air a couple of times, but I was like, I just, just want to come in and, and watch you guys work. And at the time, I was attending a, a local community college because that's what happens when you go to George Washington and they say, it's not them, it's, it's, it's not us, it's you, son. You need to go. And so I figured it out. So was was messing around at a local community college, great people there and and really, really good guidance. Anyway, a lot of my friends would go out and have, you know, Amstel lights and shots of Irish mist, uh, because that's what college age kids do drink after hours, especially when you're waiting tables and doing pretty well. It's like, I'll have one and then I'm going to go. And then I hung out with these guys until all hours of the morning. I said, look, I'm not a stalker. I just want to work in your field. And they said, basically, what's in it for us, please? And I said, I got food. And I would either buy them dinner, boys, late night, or I would take the mistakes that were, you know, left over in the kitchen. Again, under a heat lamp, maybe it was a little bit drier. Uh, balsamic sure, chicken at a bullet, good. Of course, of course. Yeah. And it's still, you know, so I would wrap it up and I would show up with cheesecake and, and dinner for them. And they would let me stay from one or two in the morning until six in the morning. And I would work on the machines then i mean back then again we're all of a certain age i was rocking the wheels and editing and doing my homework on the overnights and it was just a joy fostered relationships with them and too long of a story already but they hired me to produce overnights in christmas of 93 and along the way i got to work with some amazing amazing people at times some not so amazing people but that's how you learn to deal with you know various personalities but what an experience. I mean, dear God, you, you can't, you know, you can't write a better script and then wound up staying there from Christmas 93 until roughly November, 2020. It was, it was a hell of a run. I was incredibly lucky. You know, you kind of 
make me think of the the dating advice that's out there you know dated pizza delivery guy because he's got a car he's got a job and he has pizza well you you kind of dated the uh, overnight guys because you had you had food you had a, you had your own car and you had food so you were able to to take care of them no definitely so and um one of the overnight guys that was so so kind to me from the get-go still on the air if you listen to Sirius XM uh in the noontime hour uh Bruce Murray does the NFL radio and it's Bruce and Rich Gannon Okay. You know, he, he was there from, from minute one and I bumped into him at a Super Bowl a couple of years ago and we were at the Super Bowl. I think it was the Atlanta one, uh, but I just walked over. It's like, you're not going to remember me. And, it's, and, and Bruce is great. Scott Lynn, of course, you know, he was awesome. <laughs> Very nice of him to, to remember, but he was great and gracious. And then you worked your way up. I mean, you did have your own morning sports talk, nationally syndicated show. Uh, kind of big time, got a good following out of that. And I think I think from that, you're you're pretty well known uh, Twitter as well and nationally. And now you're kind of a prolific, I guess you're prolific on Twitter and and um, podcasting and things like that. But you're also associated with an organization now. Uh, they know their who songs. Tell us about <laughs> You Better, You Bet. Yeah, I, I, uh, I started a, a, over a year ago now working with two great guys, Nick Costos and Ken Barkley. These dudes know their their S. I don't know if you work blue here, so I'll watch my tongue. We but do. They, oh, speak uh, away. Go for uh, it. And they, just, they, they know their stuff. Um, it's the BetQL network from Odyssey. Uh, now it's sponsored by BetMGM. Is you know the the uh, to use your word the proliferation of gambling commercials and what have you. It it's great to have a big company supporting you, and it's a really good product. Shows all day long. Shows on the weekends. But Nick and Ken are awesome. Three to seven weekdays. We also do a Sunday show called Countdown to Kickoff, 11 to 1 in the East. All times are Eastern. But these guys are funny. They're self-effacing. They take the product seriously. But not, you know, but they poke fun at each other. And I laugh pretty much every day. Uh, you know, it's not, yes, it's gambling. But gone are the stigma gone is the stigma whatever it used to be that when we would listen to gambling shows and they're still yeah. out there you would get this vision of dudes back alley cigars. yeah exactly dudes at a, at a at a at a tufted banquet round table at a vegas diner and you're just like who you got in the game and and yeah. that's so that's so a relic boys it's not you know these guys are fun they're very hip they're younger than I am, so that automatically makes them very <laughs> hip. But they're way in touch with pop culture. And, you know, I mean, they'll talk anything. They'll talk music. They'll talk movies. They'll talk Game of Thrones and streaming. They'll talk an S-ton of video games. And they're good at explaining closing line value and, you know, a ton of World Cup ongoing right now. And it's a joy because they love their soccer. Love it. They love their NFL. They love their NBA. They, I mean, it's you name it, you can bet on it, but it's not, it's not condescending. It's welcoming because they, you know, and, and the, the best part is when they lose, they tell you, we're not there to pimp a 900 line where, you know, you got to call because that's where you get your winners and leave a mess. No, no, they're there. They share, listen to the show, listen to the podcasted segments and what have you. They're very good at their jobs. But anyway, John, very nice of you. I'm, yes, I produce them. I'm the executive producer for the show. Excellent. And it's fun. It's fun. I mean, welcome to the world of remote. As you guys mentioned, sure. where you all are, I have, um, I, I work along a team. Audio guy is in Chicago. 
Nick is in Staten Island or on Staten Island. I treat it like it's the Caribbean. Um, Ken is in Ken is in Connecticut. Uh, Mike, our video producers in Jersey. Bill, our video technical producers, also in Jersey. And then we just log in on an interface and we watch the show as it happens and message each other and communicate. But man, I, you know, oh, okay. Welcome to 2022, boys. Yeah. All right. Well, Scott, you are, you're a Philadelphia guy. You grew up mostly on the playgrounds in West Philadelphia, right? Born and raised uh, Northeast <laughs> Philly to be more North specific, but, okay. but quite, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yes, I was a city boy growing up. All right. um, we didn't call them. I, I knew what a row home was and my cousins lived in row homes. We lived in the, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, hoity-toity two-story <laughs> twin. I don't even know what the bleep that was, but <laughs> You would have it wasn't a row house. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You know, right? The row house kids were like, "Yeah, get out." No, they were the two story twins were jammed together. They were not a duplex. Nobody lived in our basement. Although I had friends that lived in duplexes. Ain't nothing wrong with that either. Yes. We had a breezeway between the homes that you could walk up the steps and then go in the side doors. Nice. Hey, how? Hey, how about? Yeah, nice. Hey, how about that? And we had what? an octagonal pool in the backyard where my Siberian husky would during the winter months sun herself and walk out <laughs> onto the ice so you know well with that said we, we were hoping to have you on in the week you know prior to the Packers Eagles game and and unfortunately timing didn't work out but that that game is behind us uh but now how are you feeling about your beloved Eagles team uh good question I, I'm not an obnoxious fan by any strange stretch I'm a realist <laughs> I still think Buffalo's better I still think Kansas City's better um before the Jimmy G injury, I thought that San Francisco was at the end of the at the end of the year or into the playoffs. They're better, but not, not so much have tempered that. Dallas, as much as I despise them, that's a good team, and they're getting Mr. Smith back on the offensive line. Um, I, it, you know, the, could the Eagles win it? Sure. I just think that Buffalo and Kansas City are definitely better, and Dallas is right there on a par. I really want Dallas Goddard back. I saw what happened with the Eagles when they played Tennessee. That was great. You can throw all over Tennessee, and they threw all over Tennessee. They ran. I mean, it, it's 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 interesting. They ran all over the Packers. We're like, where's that been? I mean, for everybody that wants balance, I just want wins. They all count the same. It kind of doesn't matter. Sirianni can keep them guessing. So, John, in a nutshell, before I ramble for like 88 <laughs> minutes on them, you know, I, tempered expectations. Are they good enough? Sure, they're good enough. I want C.J. Gardner-Johnson to come back and, you know, and, and help out the defensive backfield. They're good. They're, they're really good. But I think Buffalo's better. I think KC's better. Okay. Well, that you, you jumped ahead on the questions, but <clears throat> I'll let Neil chime in. Neil, you were at the link for the game, and, and, and fortunately, because of your seats, you kind of have a new view of those Philly fans. But tell Scott your, your old philosophy on the Philly, Philly fans. So we talk, uh, you know, as, as, as Packers fans, of course, you know, Vikings are a big rival team and we like to make fun of the Vikings fans because they're about the most fair weather of all fair weather fans, whereas Eagles fans, you know, certainly are, are, are hardcore fans. And so, mm -hmm. um, but, but I've had a lot of rough incidents at the link. Basically, every time I've ever been to the link other than this last game, um, I've had some sort of negative incident with some of the Philadelphia fans. And so the, the statement that I use is that Vikings fans are bad fans, but Eagles fans are bad people. 
nothing personal. I've got a lot of good friends. I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of good friends who are Eagles fans, but I've sure. always had bad incidents at the Lincoln. Neil, what can it, we like, do it, to change that? Like, how how do we bridge that gap? Because I'm not. I mean, there. I've seen bad fans. I've seen bad fans in New York. I've seen bad fans at at FedEx when you know when I used to go to the the Washington games on a fairly regular basis for media or otherwise. Like, how do we? It, there's a stigma that's been going on forever, but I, I feel that also that's become low hanging fruit where, oh, you booed Santa and you threw snowballs. And it's like, oh God, we're doing this again. That was like 40 I, years know. ago when they yeah. booed Santa for starters. Jeff, you're it? exactly right. It's like, and, and by the way, was he, was a thin, he was a thin Santa. You should boo a thin Santa. <laughs> there are no thin Santas. Right. Imposter. Well, this is, Apparently, this is the card. answer to your question, Scott. The answer to your question, Neil, is is good seats, right? The better your seats, the better. Yeah, get, the get, getting out of the three hundred level and two hundred level definitely helped as far as uh, avoiding Eagles fans. But you still had people going going in and out. I, I don't know. Maybe it's maybe it's just success that you know. Since the Eagles won the Super Bowl, they've just been happier people. I they, it's that's conceivably something as simple as that. So, but I just know that when we go to, when I go to other stadiums or when people, when fans of other teams come to Lambeau, it's generally a thing that you, you can get, needle other fans, but you know, if you start to make it abusive, other Packers fans are going to call you out on that and, and make sure that it uh, slows down at least most of the time. And so um, it's seemingly the opposite of that at Philadelphia. Anytime I've ever been there, if a fan gets into being abusive. They're going to keep being abusive and nothing's going to happen about it. So. Yeah. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't mean to be overly negative about this. I as I said, I had a great Please. experience last time, but Please, it's it's hard to besmirch uh, you know, something that's been smirched for decades. I get it. <laughs> One of the other things that we like to do on this show, we we're especially this episode, we've been gushing about Christian Watson now. Uh anything you want to add to it? You saw him play there in Philly and 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 just out of curiosity, if you know, any betting line on him being rookie of the year? Uh you know what? It, it, all right, you're going to make me do this because because I I can and I will. Let's just say that he's made he's made strides, especially with the Walker injury. You don't know how that thing is going to close as far as offensive rookie of the year. So, um, you know, uh, Mr. Uh, Pierce down in Houston has been hamstrung by his head coaching and by the fact that that team stinks and they're always playing from behind. And Pierce, who you know ran beautifully against the Browns last weekend, didn't get in the end zone because. Mr. Allen kept on giving the football to, to Cleveland. That's, you know, the guy's averaging like, I don't know, six, seven, eight yards a carry doesn't even get to sniff the end zone because they're forced to throw and wind up turning it over. But there are a couple other guys. It's, it's, it's getting, you know, Alave has been up there. Garrett Wilson is also very much on the come uh, from the jets. I, I you know, I, I picked up Watson in several fantasy leagues weeks ago, and he's going to help me Solid. knock on something, uh, you know, uh, win one of those leagues or two of those leagues. So I'm, I'm a fan, John. I'm a fan. Good deal. All right. I'm going to stick to the script here just because it, it leads into our last question. Then uh, uh, in that NFL talk, five weeks of the season left. Tell us again, who do you like in the playoffs, Super Bowl? Who are you betting on? Oh boy. Um, Cincinnati's a little dangerous, especially now that Chase has come back and, and they can beat the Kansas City Chiefs, which is interesting. Buffalo and Kansas City, it's going to be devastatingly important as far as who winds up in that one seed. Uh, I do like Philadelphia coming out of the NFC. Um, trying to think. I mean, Dallas also scares the the you know the crap out of me, and, and why wouldn't they? So if, they, if they, they, they do have Mike, they do have Mike McCarthy to be fair. And so I think that's why for those of us who are Packers fans, we think you should be a little bit less afraid. 
Neil, I think you misspelled the great equalizer. And for that, I, I applaud you and say, you know, kudos. It's kind of like what, what my commander friends are dealing with. Oh, Taylor Heineke, man, what, what a great choice. The good news is about Heineke, he's very exciting. He's got a little farve in him because he's incredibly creative. But the good news about Taylor Heineke for both teams, he keeps both sides in the game. <laughs> Because you never know when he's going to throw a really crappy pick to close. Like Favre. <laughs> exactly. And again, God bless. Guy attained the highest of highs. And, and I don't mean to even say Heineke's on a par, but he's no. got that. He's got that. Like you, said, you, just, you just never know. Like you yeah. said, it's, it's exciting. Yeah. yeah. Now our, our preseason picks, we were big on, on Green Bay and Buffalo in the Super Bowl. Do you remember what your preseason pick was? Uh, you know what it meant? It may have been something silly. Uh, I, it certainly wasn't Philadelphia. I think that I, I think that I really liked the Rams and the Niners out west. Uh, but both of them you can now have, and I think it was Buffalo in the AFC. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Well, Scott, we know you're you're short on time, so before we let you get out of here, we have a lightning round of some questions for you. Are you ready? Uh, no, but I'll I'll you know can I pass or can I phone a friend? <laughs> We, you know, we can always edit things out. So, yeah, do, do whatever you need to do. Neil, go ahead and get us started here. Where do you go for the best Philadelphia cheesesteak, and why is it John's Roast Pork? Uh, it's a, that's a great question. I tell all my friends. I have a very good friend named Pete, the pilot, who was flying in recently, and he, you know, has a quick layover or what have you. He's like, I want a cheesesteak. I want a cheesesteak. I said, either go to John's Roast Pork and get a roast pork, or go to Denick's in the Reading Terminal Market, where you can get a very good cheesesteak and a solid roast pork Italian. Boys, if you have never had a roast pork Italian, you know, cheesesteaks, everybody's like, do I go to Pat's? Do I go to Gino's? Whatever. That stuff is for the, the hero shots on Sunday night football when there is a game at the link and it's pretty and it's, and it's touristy. Don't be a tourist. Act like you know what's going on. And if you want to go to D'Alessandro's, go to D'Alessandro's, but that's a hike from like sort of center city-ish and not, not a big hike, but big enough. Stay downtown, go to go to Denix, go to, you know, John's, the what's 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 the word where all the flavors come together? The roast pork, the long hot peppers, the sharp provolone, the au jus, the bread. Dude. Flavor town. That, yeah, seriously. I haven't had dinner, so okay, I'm dying here. <laughs> same, Jeff, same. Follow-up question on that though, uh, Scott. Cheese whiz, yes or no? That was built in a lab by, by like, you know, no, I, I, I know it's whiz wit, whiz without the whole, that's more touristy, whatever. Uh, I'm a provolone guy. Thank you. All right, let's go to music. Uh, Scott, which is the better version of the song Bad by U2, the live version or the studio version? Uh, the live, no, no questions asked. All right, I've got one. True or false, the In Excess song Don't Change is not just their best song, but also in the running for top 10 songs of all time. Oh my gosh. So say this was going to be easy. No. And this is one to ponder. It's not their best song. It's a very, very good song. John breathe. It's okay. John, <laughs> Come back to us. I mean, so boys, let's go around the room real quick. Neil, Jeff, what are your votes for their best song of all time? Don't change. No question. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Don't change. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna order off the menu. All right. Original original sin. Nice. Ooh. All right, we'll allow it. I thank you. Yes. Okay, different uh 
band, Depeche Mode or New Order? Oh, man, this is one of those that gets you into trouble here. Uh, the Smiths. All right, they're not on the menu. Um, I'm going to, this is splitting hairs. And as you can tell, I don't have many to split. Uh, you know, it's a 1-1-A thing. I would probably say New Order. Oh, Jeff, New Order or current New Order? Old. <laughs> All right. Um, you get to travel back in time to 1986, kind of like the hot tub time machine. And you're hosting your own college radio show. What is the first song that you play? And why is it Boy by Book of Love? <laughs> I, I love the fact that you brought that. I would actually hearken back, and I mentioned them a little earlier. So when I was at the community college, we were running the radio station. Mm -hmm. And I'll, I'll, I'll name drop, even though it's a name that you'd have to go Google. A good friend of mine, gentleman named Zev Feldman, lovely human being. If you look him up when we're done with this podcast, he's known as the jazz detective. So he's like world, I mean, legit world famous now. And it's hysterical because I meet him for lunch and he's as humble as the day is long. His job, aside from being a, a producer, he goes around the planet, forms relationships with uh, families of jazz legends, uh, be they still with us on the planet or not. And he tries to get them to release their basement tapes or their, you know, rare recordings. So I'll tie this up and please look Zev up. Great guy. Great guy. He was the music director at WMCR, Montgomery College, Rockville at the time. And I remember playing Tanita Tikaram, if I'm pronouncing that right, Twisting My Sobriety. That would be the one that I open with all of the time. Or um, bourgeois tag, uh, I don't mind, uh, you know, to, to close. And the reason I love that, John, is it was like a two minute, 15 second song. So it was, it was killing. So, you know, yeah, you know, this is what we're closing the hours with. Or if we need a little more of something with a, a, a sustained music bed that, and it was beautiful. And actually, I played it for my sons the other day. Um, Constant Craving by KD Lang. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's you know, just I, you didn't think you were going to get Katie Lang or or Twist of My Sobriety tonight, did you? I'm oh. glad I came. All right. Hey, what era of REM is the best? The IRS years, the Warner Brothers years with Bill Berry, or the Warner Brothers years without Bill Berry? IRS. Solo albums are better. Phil Collins or Peter Gabriel? All right. So I have nothing against Phil Collins, but they all sounded the same for the most part and so over-commercialized. Love horns, love Phil, but after a while, you're like, okay, uh, this uh, studio. Yeah, this is. I mean, <laughs> you know, that that was cool. Let's call Philip Bailey and have some fun and whatever, yeah. whatever. Gabriel, hands down. How about between Roger Daltrey and E. Townsend? Well, I would like to give blood. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with Townsend. I really enjoyed White City and many other things, despite having seen, and I may have mentioned this to John somewhere along the line. So after Keith Moon passed, a while after Keith Moon passed, I saw Roger Daltrey at the Tower Theater at 69th and Market Streets in, in Philadelphia, I guess just outside of Philly. And it was the Under a Raging Moon tour. To this day, one of the most energetic, amazing shows I've ever seen. So Daltrey gets a nod for that, but give me Pete. Not his hard drive, or is it the All other right. guy? Last, last music question. Uh, which song feels the most like summer? 
Hold My Hand by Hootie and the Blowfish or Smooth by Santana with Rob Thomas? Uh, Smooth by Santana with Rob Thomas. No knock against Hootie and the Blowfish, whom I love dearly, but I'll go with uh, Carlos and Rob, two Bs. Okay, switching over to movies. Which is the best 80s teen sex comedy? Risky Business, Porky's, or The Hollywood Nights? Hey, real quick, I, I, I wrote that one specifically for Neil just because I wanted to hear him say teen sex comedy. <laughs> I, I did too, and I'm, again, I'm glad I showed up for this. Um, this is a loaded question. Uh, Hollywood Nights speaks volumes about who I am uh, and, and how mature I still am not, so it always wins. Risky Business is a wonderful movie. I remember the first time I saw it, it was on HBO, <laughs> and I saw it with my parents in the basement in Philly, and I realized quickly, this is a crappy idea. Uh, Porky's, Porky's is, Porky's is what, yeah. It's just, you know, you're, you're like, this is awkward. And I go, I, yeah. I'm going to go upstairs. And they're like, why? I go, because I don't want to be here with you. And that was, you know, it was simply put, Hollywood Nights is so great. And again, if you have not seen it, not again, Tony Danza, Fran Drescher, Robert Wall. Michelle Pfeiffer. A very young Michelle Pfeiffer. A very yeah. young Michelle Pfeiffer. It's got an insane cast. It's got the Vietnam Wars, the backdrop, Halloween night, 1965, car club called Porky's, uh, the Homeowners Association, Beverly Hills, car clubs. It's got everything and an insane soundtrack to boot. Hollywood and don't Nights drink wins. the punch. All and right. don't drink the punch, yes. So, all right. So follow-up question, staying with the movies. What is the best John Hughes film starring Anthony Michael Hall? Would that be National Lampoon's Vacation, 16 Candles, Breakfast Club, or Weird Science? Unpopular opinion. Vacation's fine. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> 16 Candles is great, and, and Anthony Michael Hall was wonderful in it. Weird Science was very good. And again, speaking of, you know, what do you want built in the lab? Cheese Whiz or Kelly LeBrock? I'll let you boys answer that on your own time. <laughs> Let's- uh, The latter. Pray a third is fair. Um, Bre Breakfast Club is so great for so many reasons and I still don't turn it off whenever it comes on. So Breakfast Club, please. All right, last movie question. What's the best Walter Hill movie? The Warriors, 48 Hours, or Street of Fire? Fire. Streets of Fire with Michael Paré, is that? Is and, a that was young he? and a young Diane Lane. <laughs> yes. yes. Uh, God, a Diane really Lane. young Diane Lane. Lovely, just lovely. Um, Man, I, the Warriors has to win every single time. Mountain it's, play. Yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. Give me some bottles, please. All, All right, right we're switching to television. Just a couple more questions. In the early days of cable television, which channel did you watch most? MTV, WGN, WOR, or TBS? So uh, this is the weird part. All of my friends throughout high school had cable TV. I did not. It was not moved to Maryland when I was in college and quickly. Um, I, we got cable when I moved here. I probably watched a ton of MTV and VH1, a ton, nice. which is how I wound up, you know, loving music probably more than you know people should be allowed. and the so rest is I, history right? <laughs> yeah ex exactly i mean i remember you know the, the the just the premieres and the creativity and staying up late to watch not late sunday night was um was the young ones 120 minutes 20 minutes yes yep. nailed oh, yeah. it right. yeah nailed it jeff spot on so yeah mtv boys all right on the, on the topic of music videos and 
cable television. <clears throat> True or false, the live video for Bruce Springsteen's Rosalita lasted as long as an inning and a half of Cubs baseball as you surfed back and forth between MTV and WGN. Uh, quick answer, true. Being a Philadelphia guy, how do you feel about an Eagles fan having the nuclear codes? Uh, probably a little better that, that Dr. Jill is a Phil's <laughs> fan. Let's just leave it at that. A couple last questions, Scott, for you. Uh, just miscellaneous, um, only because I already know kind of in my head how these are going to play out. Uh, who is the most famous person to have literally bumped into you while walking in New York City? Uh, a, a long, long time ago. Wait, Don McLean should write a song. That's never mind. I uh, I was walking. I forget the street and I had a pretzel with mustard. And a gentleman very quickly was just shouldered me as if he looked like he had somewhere very, very important to go. He was looking sort of straight past me and just blew up my shoulder like it was a, a Bakhtiari block. Anyway, I turned around after I had mustard all over my cheeks and all over my shirt, and it was Julian Lennon. Much too was, late. Much too late to say goodbye. <laughs> it was gone in a flash. Yep. Yeah. All right. There you go. Do we, more, do we have time music. for an impersonation? Very quickly. All right. It's, the 2023 U.S. Senior Open Golf Championship is going to be held at Century World Golf Course in Stevens Point, Wisconsin. Now, Jack Nicholas has twice won the Senior Open. What would be Jack's thoughts on the Robert Trent Jones Jr. designed course? I probably overpaid for that piece of crap because I should have designed it. And that's the problem. Evil Jack designs everyone's course. And then he bangs all the women there, too. Have a good day. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you guys. Better right. in the juice wow. box. Scotty, with that, when are we going to get together again and drink like it's Purim? Uh, on Purim, John, you got Purim. my name. You know the number. That's McCartney or something like that. Uh, <laughs> no, feel free to reach out. You know, I, I'll. And anytime you guys want me to come back and not talk, I just want to listen to you guys. This is great. Uh we appreciate it. Scott, where can everybody find you online? Uh, on Twitter at Scotland underscore or something like that. And, um, you know, check out the uh, check out the side gig, Scotland PR podcasts and uh, support the boys over at You Better You Bet on the BetQL network. All right. I love that you sat in with us. We appreciate it. I know your time is up. So go do the things you need to do. Thanks for having me and be well. Happy holidays, gentlemen. I'll come back anytime. Thank, Thank you, you very much. All right. That was a guest for the ages. Thank you very much, Scott. Hey, everybody, if you're watching us on YouTube, please hit the subscribe button. Leave a comment. As always, you can find the GBC podcast at Green Bay Chat. That's all one word, Green Bay Chat. We are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Snapchat, and on Facebook at the GBC podcast, Green Bay Chat. I know Scott will appreciate it if you give him a follow. We'll link him when we put the episode up as well. As always, may you fully appreciate the magnitude of your impending good fortune. Thanks for joining us. Good night. Good night.